Hello, welcome to another episode of Monday Night Therapy. I almost lost my words. I was wondering where you were headed with that. <laughs> I was excited, Todd. Positive oh, things happened this weekend. Positive things. Do you want to hear about the positive things that happened? I want you to just start listing all those positive things. Just let it fly, buddy. The Nebraska volleyball team won the Big Ten outright, and they won the Big Ten outright, and they won the Big Ten outright, which means they don't have to share it with anybody. I don't like to That's share. A, I don't like to I, share. I've known that about you for decades. Todd's a non-sharing son of a bitch. Okay, the soccer team beat uh, UC Irving four to nothing. They are qualified for the Elite Eight. They are climbing up the communist soccer ranks. There you go. I think that's I think that's pretty awesome. And apparently, they had uh, really good attendance at their games at Hibner Stadium. Uh, I don't remember. They're going to Stanford to play next, aren't they? Yep, they play Stanford next time. Yep. Well, they, you know what? That'll be tough because Stanford's got a whole lot of commie right there. Yeah. Okay. Men's basketball is 5-0 and for the first time since 2008. I think that's right. I didn't look it up. I just – I pulled it out of my memory. My vast resources. Your vast broken, resources? Yeah. Vast, vast resources of broken memories up there. Women's basketball is 3-1. and Had a tough wrestling, loss Tough Wrestling. Loss. Oh, they lost to Creighton. Women's basketball lost to Creighton. Well, that's kind of negative. Wrestling is undefeated. Uh, they won the Navy tournament this weekend. I don't know what damn. I don't know what that means. What's that mean, Todd? Well, did they take on like Rangers? Did they take on Navy SEALs and kick their ass? (laughs) They played the the U.S. Naval Academy hosted a tournament, and there was. It wasn't that tough of a tournament, but it gave Nebraska a chance to get some guys out there and get them more mat time. Getting ready for the big Cliff Keen tournament out in Vegas, which will be a more a bigger challenge for him. So, yeah. And uh, unfortunately, all of those positive things, except for maybe volleyball, I don't know, all of those positive things are being outweighed by one freaking one lousy moment in Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, a very disappointing evening in Wisconsin. What no. would you say was what, what? Name the one thing about the Wisconsin game that just, just you know, you, you hate the most. What did I hate the most about that Wisconsin yeah. game? Yeah. What I hated the most was that when Nebraska was driving at the end of the game, they did not use timeouts to position themselves to try to win that game at the end. That's what. And- that's what bothered me the most about that. Did game. you did you listen to the Haas and Greg show the coronation overreaction? I did not. I okay. did not. Haas made the argument that they extended the game by getting the field goal and playing for overtime. I, you know, Haas knows a lot more about offense than I do. I don't like it. I put it this way: I think there's a lot of people comparing Maryland and Wisconsin, and uh, me, I would I would have gone for the touchdown both times. I would. I, I think that it, I would have just said, uh, "Fuck it, we're scoring," because that's what we do. Doctor Tom didn't go for a tie. <laughs> I mean, he well, lost. He lost. He wasn't burned alive for it. You know, but, it's, it's you got- know, there were a lot of people that were like, he could have just won a title, but we were all like, "Yeah, 
You know why? Because we're a generation of ass kickers, not this wiener dog generation. Now it's full of. <laughs> I don't even know where I'm going with that. I'm just. I guess about. I okay. just. You know, John, I've never adjusted to the idea, and not just to tie games, um, but you know, even when teams play for a field goal to win a game, I just. I've never quite understood that. And, you know, okay, there is that philosophy that when you throw the ball, you know, three things can happen and two of them are bad. I, I kind of get that. But, you know, if – what am I trying to say? Well, wh what's somewhat hypocritical is the same people that were bitching last week about, you know, why didn't they kick, you know, and when Purdy threw the interception. You know, they're the same ones this year about, well, why did they kick? <laughs> and uh, so you can't make people happy, but I just think, I just think you try to win the ball game in, in uh, regular time and Nebraska, I don't know, with, with a first time starter, with the trouble that the team has had with offense plan to go into overtime. I just didn't feel good about that. It, it just, I don't, I, yeah, that was, that bothered me. Did it? Yeah, yeah. it bothered me too. It, I think that, uh, I mean, he had three fucking timeouts. Three, three, not two, not one. Yeah. You don't get four. He had three, all of his timeouts. And I just thought, you know, we could, we could do some more here. I don't know. You know that I keep bringing this up. I keep bringing it up. I'm going to keep bringing it up. Uh, we're angry at this because we know the outcome and the outcome is negative. You know, the guys that have to make these calls and these decisions have to do this shit in real time without they're trying to do their best guess possible. Uh, you know, that's very true. It's easy to second guess when it's already happened. Yeah. Like fourth and two. There were a lot of YouTube commenters that said we should have snuck the ball in this fourth and two play. And I, I honestly, I want if if you guys in the comment section or people on podcasts are thinking that this offensive line and this quarterback can make a quarterback sneak two yards, we, I, I how do you believe that? We don't have Dave Remington as a center. I think our offensive line is playing much better. But this offensive line is not blowing people off the ball. So this idea that we're just going to sneak the ball in fourth, maybe fourth and inches. So, I, you know, I don't know. Okay. All right. Should I take some comments? Because there's some comments. Here's one I'll throw up well, right there. Linda Wilkins says it was a no win for rule. He would have been crucified either way. We we tend to do that. We do. Uh, we do. Are you going to keep putting them up since you took that one? Well, <laughs> let's go with Linda again. Let's go with Linda, Linda again. Okay. Linda Wilkins says, John, I have never experienced it, but I guess this game was like getting kicked in the nuts. What do you think, Todd? Oh, I'm not sure if this was a nut kicker or not. I've had, there, there have been other games that are nut kickers. Um, yeah, this was like a punch to the gut. How about that? A there you go. That is gut. true. You know, being kicked I'll, in the nuts. I'll, is I'll say a punch painful. to the gut, not a kick in the nuts. It wasn't. There are, Linda, just so you know, there are different levels. There's just sometimes it just hurts. And then there's sometimes it hurts so bad that your entire inside of your body and your stomach goes into a, a cramp that is incredibly painful. And this, uh, you know what? I think this was like uh, if we were 
put it this way. We are now one in 29 and one score games. And I think that we've been kicked in the nuts so much that we just don't even know anymore. We're just like, what? Did somebody kick me in the nuts? I didn't notice. Okay, moving on. Go ahead. Eli Aguilar says Tanner Mordecai was a slippery son of a gun. He uh, was. He was. <laughs> he was. I will say this. Uh, I saw some people refer to lousy tackling. Uh, you know, quarterbacks like that are hard to tackle. I've also seen people refer to, you know, Tony White hasn't figured out how to contain a mobile quarterback yet, so he's not that good a defensive coordinator. Everybody has problems with mobile quarterbacks. Everyone. There's no solution to a mobile quarterback that works. That's part of the offense and defense battling back and forth, trying to outbalance each other for which one has better math than the other, have better matchups. So, you know, that's why a quarterback like Tanner Mordecai or a Josh Allen or a Talia or a Tua or, you know, keep – Patrick Mahomes, this is why they're so valuable to everybody is because mobile quarterbacks become they become a run pass option all to themselves. Stephanie Jackson says GBR. So Stephanie came back this week. Uh, Charles Hullett says special teams is what I hated most in that game. <sighs> Man. Yeah, I can't disagree with that, Charles. Um... Boy, what what's happened to our punter? What has happened to him as the season's gone on? And very, very, very frustrating. Um, you know, and we really didn't have any opportunities to return any punts. Um, yeah, I, I can't disagree at all with that, Charles. Yeah, even when he had the opportunity to boom one down to the 10, they ended up at the 25, and that was, I don't know, that was frustrating. We'll just go with Charles Hullett again. Todd, you've been vaping or what? It looks all cloudy back there. I'm not a vapor. I, I just uh, I just use that cloudy filter because who knows where I'm going to be. Brian Bauer says, happy to be the first to mention fuck Iowa. Thank you, Brian, for keeping Thank us you, on Brian. track. Yeah, there for the go. week. Uh, Lloyd M. Christmas. Ugh. Lloyd M. Christmas says, John, I wonder if Brian Ferentz is going to put his dad in a nursing home if he doesn't quit after the season. You know, from all indications, Kirk is going to continue to coach on. But I will be talking to Scott Doctorman, who covers Iowa from for The Athletic tomorrow night at 7.30 p.m. He's only got it half hour because he's a busy, uh, you know, well-known you know, he's he's up here. I'm this little crud bum guy. So he's going to give me a half hour at 7.30 tomorrow night so we can abuse him about Iowa. Kind of. Uh, I see Anonymous. There's a guy. There's an Anonymous. Is this the Anonymous that hacks into things and spills things all over the Internet? Couldn't tell you. Yeah. Anonymous says the least Googled phrase ever is, quote, most exciting plays in Iowa football history. Well, oh. somebody does have an answer. No <laughs> offense, only defense says Iowa highlights are 60-plus yards punts. That roll. So there you go. That's excitement for Iowa fans, the fact that their punter is absolutely incredible. Um, 
it, it, yeah, I'll tell you what, not fun to watch. Not fun to watch at all. Oh, my God, I have to go all the way. You're supposed to be watching these comments up there. I'm supposed to be? Yeah, see, we need to we we need to figure out how we're going to add a like a producer or some damn thing. Well, you know what, Todd, we're we're coming at the end of. Okay, we'll we'll talk about that later. Uh, Linda Wilkins says, Todd, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking Shiner Holiday Cheer tonight, Linda. It is my favorite seasonal beer. I love it. I completely hung up there. What are you drinking? Shiner. Holiday oh, yeah. cheer. Holiday cheer. Holiday cheer. Holiday cheer. It is Are my favorite gonna... beer of all beers. Ted Hilker says, I thought if we had no turnovers, we'd have figured it out, but not. That <laughs> that's that's probably exactly. is the big that's probably the biggest thing about the game in Wisconsin is we all, I think all of us would agree that uh, if you know if Nebraska we would all have said if Nebraska doesn't turn the ball over we're going to win. And then we, you know, we had one turnover as the last play in the game, but uh, right. I, we, Hey, we, we had a game without turnovers. That's a step in the positive direction. Isn't it? I honestly thought that we'd win a game if we didn't turn the ball over, but uh, to kind of balance that uh, we did have a few more penalties than what we've had. And we had some yeah. timely penalties, untimely penalties. Brangus McGee says, did we crawl into our shell in the second quarter or did whiskey adjust? What do you think of that? I think it might have been a combination of both. Um, I'm not good enough with the X's and O's, you know, to sit there and look and, and diagnose whether or not adjustments were made. Um, I thought that our running game looked really good and there was a nice balance with passing you know, in the first, in the first quarter, in the second quarter, I thought that we probably tried to throw the ball um, a little bit more than, than what we did in the first. And it just didn't seem like we, we worked hard enough um, to move the ball on the ground in the second quarter. So whether that was a decision that was made with the play calls or whether that was something that uh, Wisconsin adjusted to, I'm not quite sure. Um, but I also know that I think they were trying to keep Chubba Purdy vertical and, um, you know, they were a little fearful about him running the ball and, you know, so it is what it is. I would say that that fourth down, the fourth down play that we didn't get, we didn't convert was a huge, that, that was a play that converted the game. decided to not lay down and roll over. If Nebraska would have – I mentioned this in my post-game reaction. If Nebraska would have converted that fourth and two, there's a good chance that this game would have snowballed into something that turned into 42 to 10. I, I think Matt Rule has said he doesn't believe in momentum, and I really tried to take the side of that thing. I really tried to go, hmm, do I believe in momentum? Well, fucking there it is. I, that's really what happened. I mean, you could see if you go back to the Illinois game, they went all the way down the field on the first series of the game. We held them at the at the goal line, and that game turned, completely turned. 
to the point that Illinois had no chance to win that game. Wisconsin in this game, I don't think it was about plays adjusting. I think it was just sheerly, you know, a team gained momentum and they stopped rolling over. I, I don't think it's always about the chess match or the, you know, the plays you call or how you execute. A lot of it is suddenly a team says, well, fuck, we're going to play football. Those guys did their job. We're going to do ours. And they had Tanner Mordecai back and, God help us, Bray, Braylon Allen. I like Braylon Allen, but holy shit, was he a Heisman winner that night or what? The guy had like 2.3 or 2.5 yards per carry, and you'd swear to God he had run for 289 yards on us. Well, he I don't understand. 62 yards. I don't understand why they even played Braylon Allen as good as number 34 was carrying the ball. Um you know he was he was good for four or five yards a pop. Um, I don't I don't know that they needed to even go to Braylon Allen unless the purpose was to have him in there to pass block or trip people. Was it he he the guy that tripped people? Wasn't he? The I don't guy know. That... It was him or thirty four. Oh my god, that that whole thing that you know they I, I'll get to the officials for just a bit. I can't remember which one of our guys got called for holding. He got called for a takedown. Oh, uh, that was 51. I just, I looked at that and I went, that, that you decide to call that right fucking there. You called that holding call out of all the shit that's going on in that line between the offense and the defense on both teams. You decide that that's the one you're going to, what the fuck? Was there a buzzer that went off in your pants? Uh, time to call a holding call. They, they were taking our defensive linemen down the entire freaking game, and there wasn't one holding call. I know that the Big Ten has, like, uh, don't ever call holding, but they decided to call holding on that one play, and I just want to know what brain cell fired in that guy's fucking head to go, ah, holding, when it didn't fire the rest of the time all night. Okay, I feel better. Good, good. Am I too loud? No, oh, you're yeah, doing just breathe. fine. She's reminding me to breathe, but she's right. I almost passed out. <laughs> That's my cleansing breath, Todd. You're supposed to take over talking when I do that. <laughs> I'm just trying to hang in there with you tonight, buddy. Uh, Linda Wilkins says that last play does not count as a turn. does, you know, in the, in the little stats thing. Uh, Cilantro says, is Iowa the worst nine and two team in the country or are they legit? Well, Todd, you take this one. I'll breathe. Um, I don't know how many nine and two teams there are in the country, but I would venture to say that, um, there are better nine and two teams. I, you know, there, there are people that are really praising Iowa at being nine and two for what little offense they've been able to generate and still win games, still win nine games. Um, you know, people are saying that they aren't getting the, the accolades that they deserve. They're not getting the props. You know, everybody is running them down because of their crappy offense. Um, but the reality is, is that they've got, you know, nine wins and, you know, um, are they the worst nine and two team in the country? I don't know. Um, we'll see. You know, uh, hopefully they're nine and three after 
Friday um, because I, I, I think Nebraska has a chance to beat them. But, um, you know, I, I'm real curious how things are going to shake down in the, the Big 12 championship game, regardless of who they play, um, because I'm not sure that either Michigan or Ohio State uh. will blow them out. I, I could see, I could see Iowa in a tussle with them, where it's maybe a one-score, two-score game against Michigan or Ohio State. Yeah, that would be funny. I would even, I would, I would even almost dream for Iowa. I can't do that. You can't. <laughs> okay, some more stuff. Uh, Nebraska strong. Go Big Red says John and Todd. What should be the official beer in Nebraska football? Probably well, some strong IPA that's full of bitterness. <laughs> there's isn't there Cornhead Lager or something like that claims to be. Um, I like good old Nebraska brew. Zipline Brewing's good old Nebraska brew. I think that's a good one. I I, I don't drink anymore, so I got no dog in this fight. Uh, okay, we did that one. Okay, Husker JPEG says, the D had a lot to do with losing these games. This D is overrated. People fall in love with it because the D has been so bad for 10 years. I'm going to completely disagree with that because there's honestly, there is only really one defensive category that counts, and that's scoring defense, and that's how low you keep your score, your opponent from scoring. And this, this scoring defense is 15th in the nation. You could say, well, they haven't played any good offenses. Well, they play what's in front of them. And they played Michigan, you know. But I don't think it's overrated at all. When you look at the fact that this is a first-year coach and he's playing largely guys he didn't recruit and he's got, like, guys, young guys like Cameron Leonard who had come along as true freshmen and really played really good football, I don't think it's overrated at all. Uh, I don't think they lost games for us. We're losing games because we don't score enough points on offense. And I don't, you know, we've given up very few explosive plays compared to other teams around the nation. <clears throat> the other thing I'd say about the defense is this. Uh, the, all of the rules and all of the game, the football game itself, have been skewed toward offense over the last, I don't know, two decades maybe where it's harder to play defense as a cornerback or a defensive back, certainly impossible in the NFL. You can't hit a quarterback without calling roughing. You know, it's just uh, – it's very difficult to play any defense. So if you're going to compare this back to, you know, like 1970, 1980, it's a completely different game than it was then. I need to breathe again, Todd. You go ahead. And, do you have anything on that? No, I agree with what you're saying. Um, you know, and and – I think the defense is vastly improved and the defense has kept has get the defense has given Nebraska an opportunity to win games. Um, if we'd have had a def if the, if we'd have had the defense that um, we had the last few years, uh, we would be absolutely miserable right now. Um, there, there's no way we would have won five games without this defense. 
And they'd be, t- be terrible. Uh, let's see. Nebraska Strong, Go Big Red, says, John, I love you. Well, thank you. But I completely disagree. Eight men in the box with a quarterback spy is the answer against the mobile QB. Is he saying eight men in the box and then nine with the quarterback spy, or is the quarterback spy among the eight? I don't know. But uh, if we'd have played eight men in the box with a spy against them, number six would still be running. He'd still be catching <laughs> passes. And running down, you know, State Street or whatever it is in in Madison, he'd be he'd be out running down State Street chasing those damn Nazis that were marching before the game in Madison. Um, yeah, I you're leaving your cornerbacks out on an island with that, and uh, I don't think I you know Malcolm Hartzog played really well last year. This year, he's given up some really good big plays repeatedly. I don't think you're leaving that guy by himself by himself just because you have a mobile quarterback. You know, Malcolm I mean, maybe, Hart- maybe, maybe if Iowa, all they had was a mobile quarterback. I don't know. That's a different Malcolm thing. Hartsock is, is a better safety than he is a cornerback. The kid is too short and they put tall receivers on that guy and, and just exploit him something fierce. Uh, Linda Wilkins says, do you have a point, John? Well, no, I have a dent in my head, so there's no point there anymore. Uh, Otherwise, I just normally try to talk a lot and use bigger words so I sound like I know what I'm saying. Do I ever have a point, Todd? Oh, you have a point at times. (laughs) Okay. I I think so. Charles Hollett says at least one of the quote trick plays quote would have worked a lot better if the one guy would have done any semblance of blocking that this is, you know, I mean, when people like the horizontal pass to, to uh, that short guy, Billy camp where Alex Bullock didn't, didn't block anything and Billy camp got blown up and then everybody goes, that was a bad play call. It was horizontal. Well, it isn't a bad play call. It's an easy way to gain five yards is to get the ball out there quick and a guy blocks. So, you know, a lot of the play calling stuff that we look at and we go, those are bad play calls. It, it's because these guys are young and they're not all doing their jobs. And that's kind of part of having a very young team and putting very young players out on the field and having them try to do stuff. You know, they're young receivers. They have to learn how to block. I don't know if you've noticed this. Well, you know what, Todd? I'm going to go ahead and make a 90s comparison or an 80s comparison. How about if I do that? How about you do that? Okay. One of the things about the 80s and 90s when it came to receivers is the guys who were younger players like freshmen and sophomores, they were already taught by the older players. There were juniors and seniors that had been playing that they were supposed to get their asses out there and block on run plays or block on, you know, these kinds of plays. I these uh, Who do we have that's an older player in this offense that can teach younger players how to block, Todd? We don't. Yeah. Bryce really Bellhart's have- been around for quite a while, and he's finally got it figured out. But um, we're, you know, it's it's a whole different world with what we have right now compared to the pipeline days. Uh, Phil, you read that one. My God, I'm gonna. Uh, Phil Spears says Iowa hasn't beat a team with more than six wins. I suppose that's probably true. Iowa, you know. I would t- I tell you what, Iowa seems to get the lightest Big Ten schedule of any school in the West. I mean, 
they played Penn State this year. They didn't play Ohio State. They didn't play Michigan. I, you know, I'm not. I don't want anybody to waste their time going and looking. But has Iowa since Nebraska joined the Big Ten? Has Iowa ever played Michigan and Ohio State in the same year? And I don't know. They do know, get a ridiculously easy. They schedule. get a ridiculous easy schedule all the time. Uh, okay, like we're gonna. Wow, we have a lot of comments. Uh, Nebraska strong says Todd Iowa will get absolutely destroyed by Ohio State or Michigan. Iowa is a dumpster fire on offense. Yes, they Man, are. They are. They're terrible. They are. But uh, you know the defense is pretty good. You know what? Let's let's see how it sets up for the Big Twelve championship game, and we can we can talk a little bit about that at that point in time. I Iowa's defense. Now Iowa's defense took a huge blow when Cooper DeGene um, yeah. was his his season was over. That's huge. So a team that can throw the ball, um, you know, they're going to move the ball. They would be able to move the ball against Iowa. But um, I don't know. I, 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 you know, I'm the last person that wants to give props to Iowa. Um, but I'll tell you what, that defense and their special teams, uh, they've, they've taken them to, to nine and two. We'll see. Yeah, how about this one? Ben Zimmerman says the line being minus two NU is crazy. Go big red. The I think it was uh, yeah, I think it it that's a little nuts. I mean, I, I think insane. largely and I don't bet, I don't follow betting. Uh the the over under was down to twenty six point five the last I saw, which I think is the lowest historical over under ever. And uh is it up? It's I well they're doing this because the betting is all going to one side, I guess I you know maybe somebody else. Uh, Cilantro says, does anybody thinks Nebraska's offensive line is going to be murdered by Iowa's front seven? It could be a long day for the O line. Well, they don't have that Shannon kid that they lost. Well, that that's true. Um. You know, Nebraska's offensive line did pretty good against them last year. Yeah. And are they is this a better is this a better front seven for for Iowa than what they had last year? Um, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I guess we'll we're going to find out in a few days, but yeah, I don't think they're going to be murdered. I think the the offensive line is definitely playing better. I anybody everybody that's played Iowa has had problems scoring points. So I think this is another game in which is going to come down to, are we going to turn the ball over there and give them easy stuff? You know, and that's the thing. Uh, well, we already did this. Oscar JPEG says the Tony W being a head coach train should have ended with Wisconsin. The D was smashed by a crickled quarterback and running back. Uh, the D failed to save the games. The D is only better than average. Not great. I think we covered that. I Didn't got a question for you, John. Yeah. 
what did you think of Chubba Purdy's performance overall? I thought it was pretty exceptional. <laughs> For us having spent this entire freaking season watching quarterbacks turn the ball over and not have an offense at all and struggle in some cases to run basic plays, he looked like he was going to be an NFL Hall of Famer. My God. You know, I mean, I don't know if he did that many things wrong. I what did he? I mean, the last pass. If he'd have gotten the last pass over the top of the defense, we'd have had a touchdown because the guy behind him was wide open. For us, not them. <laughs> but, the, the the thing about Chuba Purdy that made that makes me nervous about him is that he's got nervous feet. And, yeah, that's true. You know, sometimes that he he turns that into you know a positive uh, because he'll scamper and pick up some yards. But boy, there's times when he's back there that he, you know he doesn't give a play enough time to develop downfield, and uh, he's really quick to take off. But you know that's that's a minor criticism compared to you know certainly what we can say about you know Heinrich and and Jeff Sims. So um, I I thought Chuba played a pretty good game overall. I really did. Oh, and I have to apologize. Apparently, I referenced the Big Twelve championship game. Yeah. Um, no, Big Ten. My apologies there. I know. <laughs> Anonymous says, "Will Abent Johnson ever have a hundred yard day, or we will we continually give up on the tailback?" You take this one. I. That's a good question. I, you know, I don't understand why we alternate running backs as much as we do. Um, give him a Johnson, the ball 20, give him 20 carries, give him 20 carries, 25 carries, you know, run that kid. Um, then again, when Grant was in the game, Grant was pretty productive running the ball. So, you know, I don't know. I, with, with the running back situation, you know, I don't – I guess those days are over about, you know, that work. Well, they're not. Hell, because Braylon Allen carried the ball a whole bunch, and he was banged up. So, um, yes, Emmett Johnson will have a 100-yard hundred yard day. It won't happen until next year, though. Yeah, I, the only thing I can think of is they are playing these, this many – I mean, early on in the season we noticed that – uh, Nebraska was playing like 25 guys on defense or 22 guys on defense. And I, they were playing that many to get them experience in the defense so they'd know what they were doing. And I, you know, that's the only thing I can think they're doing on the offense is switching. Uh, I mean, they lost guys. So would Emma Johnson be getting these carries if Gabe Irvin and uh, Ramir Johnson were still around? I probably not, but, uh, maybe they're just switching them in and out just to get them some experience with the offense and, uh, you know, get them onto the field for next season so be, we can win the Big Ten next year. There you go. Um, Nebraska Strong is he, – he's, he's going to prove a point to me here. <laughs> Iowa, will, Iowa got destroyed 31 to nothing against Penn State. Who crushed Penn State? Oh, that's right. Ohio State and Michigan smashed Penn State. Okay. <laughs> I surrender. I surrender. It'll be 87 to nothing, regardless <laughs> of whoever they play. That's where I'm going to put my money. Bet the over. Well, I, you know, Todd, if they play Ohio State, 
nobody on Iowa's defense is going to cover Mar- Marvin Harrison Jr. The so guy that could Cooper is Jean, hurt. Cooper DeGene yeah. is going to be gone, and they're going to be like just ah, throwing the ball eight times and they'll score eight times, and there you go. Uh, Linda Wilkins a while ago said, "I assuming you boys drink your share of Milwaukee Light when you were in college." No, we didn't. We were uh, Linda. We were we we were in college through the uh, generic label era, and uh, we drank beer, uh, white cans, black lettering beer, and uh, you could get that at Super Saver really, 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 really <laughs> cheap. Um, I remember we had a little garage behind the place we lived in on Charleston and it was towards the end of the spring and we thought, well, it's time to re- redeem our aluminum. And so we spent an afternoon drinking a ton of beer and smashing beer cans. And I would venture to say, I mean, we, this garage was just full. And uh, I would venture to say about 90% of the cans were those white cans with beer on them. And uh, I don't know. I don't know how much we made, but it was enough to stop by Super Saver again and load up because we were buying that stuff cases at a time. So, Ooh, they're talking about prediction. Lloyd M. Christmas says hams. We had hams. I mean, we had, we just bought whatever was cheapest. I mean, we were, you know, you didn't have a lot of money in college. I told uh, Joel Tilson to stop in and remind me about a ham story. I'll tell a ham story before we leave. Charles Hollett says, I figured you guys got Keystone Light bitter beer face. This Keystone Light wasn't around then, was it? I, you know, if it was, it, I don't know. I don't know if it was or not. Do you remember that? I remember one. Rainier <laughs> beer. Yes. And Rainier was a really cheap, shitty beer from like Washington or something. But well, they had this beer know, commercial. I ran they had into this beer that. commercial that was the sound of a motorcycle going by. It was. It was awesome. Sound. It was shifting gears. Rainier beer. God does it better than I do. Oh, my freshman year in college. I went to the University of Montana, and that was the beer that everybody was drinking. I had never, ever, ever heard of Rainier beer. But, yeah. Oh, my goodness gracious. Mark Corrigan, we turned into the beer show. Mike Corrigan says Carling Black Label. That was a shitty beer. Yeah. And then there was Blatt's. Blatt's. (laughs) (laughs) Who, who... That beer had the effect on you what its name was. It just you know everybody woke up the morning next morning and people were dead from the the gas attack. Okay, we should move we on. Somebody uh, in the oh, drink Charles Hell Charles Hellett Schaefer's Light. That was another really cheap shitty beer. Uh, uh there you go. Uh Olympia, Joel Tilson, Rainier and Olympia beers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and yep. then and then okay, red, white, and blue beer. My God, we're just getting through an old style, David Matney. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then there's Falstaff Slits. Falstaff, yeah. Used to be brewed. I, I will tell you that I, I will tell you the shittiest beer ever made. Okay, and we didn't drink it. I see people drinking it now, but it's Paps Blue Ribbon. It is the cra- It's the most god awful beer ever made because when you open a can of that stuff and you take a drink. 
what you're tasting is all them fucking union guys in the 70s that got destroyed by the Japanese automakers and the bitterness and regret of the 70s of those guys losing their jobs. That's that's really what Pabst Blue Ribbon is made of. It's just bitterness and regret of old Rick freaking guys in the 70s. <laughs> Fred Sacco says hams. That's what Iowa's cheerleaders are called. I tell you, uh, my my hams story, and and you know it's not it's it's not it's not a, a real funny one, but it. I was out with my dad a few weeks ago, and we went to to eat at a sports bar down on Highway Two. And um, we went in there and, and uh, I was kind of looking at the beer menu and the gal happened to say, well, we have, we have uh, some kind of a special on, on tall boys. And uh, I said, well, what kind of, what kind do you have? And, you know, it was kind of the old school. Well, we got paps, we got cores and whatever, whatever. And uh, I said, you got hams? Well, of course we have hams and hams is always 250 for a tall boy, regardless of what night it is. And I said, well, I'll have a hams. And my dad says, well, I'm going to have a hams too. And I said, well, bring me two so I can stay ahead here. And so I had, and anyway, my dad got to telling stories about his sister-in-law inherited a little tavern in Adair, Iowa, when my dad was probably about 15 years old. And my aunt Maggie ran this, this tavern when it was not a common thing for women to own bars back then. And Maggie, she was a tough one. And uh, anyway, her bar beer was hams. And uh, so everything, you know, the hams signs and all that kind of stuff. And my dad said, yeah, you know, Maggie was really, really good to us because all I'd have to say to Maggie was, well, me and the boys, we're going to go out tonight. And Maggie would always, in a brown paper sack, leave two six-packs of hams outside the back door at her tavern so my dad could pick up some hams beer, and he and his high school buddies had something to consume on the way to whatever dance they were going to. So, from the land okay. of sky blue waters. Todd? Yes? Would you like to tell this story? <laughs> Or would you like me to tell it? Or should oh. we just let it go for now? No, it's a story that needs to be told. Well, Lloyd M. Christmas says, what is Mad Dog 2020? What is Mad Dog 2020, Todd? Since we've turned into the alcohol <laughs> show. <laughs> it is. Mad Dog 2020 is a high, high alcohol content wine. That tastes very similar to grape juice or grape cough medicine. Um, MD 2020, 1980. When was Springsteen born in the USA? Tour? I think was that it was 1983. Bruce Springsteen concert, Lincoln, Nebraska. Students lined up snaking all the way around campus. There was tents. There was a Springsteen community for three or four days. Oh on central campus, just incredible. And we had four spots. And when I say we, it was kind of our college group. We had four spots. And so we took turns holding spots in line. And we were down there the night before the tickets. No, excuse me, two nights. It was two nights before the tickets. I went, went down on Wednesday night. Okay. And I slept well, in I, the rain in a sleeping bag on the sidewalk. 
Well, we got a little smarter as the week went on. And I think that I was there on Thursday night. And we had two uh, Chase lounge chairs, two, two lawn chairs, Chase lounge chairs. And me and a kid named Eric Clandrude, we went down to Wendy's and we got a bunch of chili and a Frosty. And we had, we had bottles of Mad Dog 2020. And, of course, we were all drinking and eating and whooping and hollering. And then, you know, about 10 o'clock at night, everybody turns on their Springsteen songs. And it was just dancing and craziness. And I was so drunk. I passed out in that lawn chair and uh, slept there. No blankets, no nothing. Just out there, you know, and whatever. Just passed out drunk. And the next morning when the crew came to uh, wake us up and take our spot in line. I think they startled me because I jerked real hard and I fell back and I smacked my head on a concrete bench. Is that so what I, we're going with here? I, so I think I knocked myself okay. out. Okay. And then when I woke up, I started puking Mad Dog 2020 just violently. With chili. I, I lost that, yes, and chili. And I lost that day of my life because I did not wake up until the morning of the following day. So <laughs> Charles Hullett says, please don't tell us you were naked, Todd. He was, I not, was not because there was a lot of people around there. And yeah. uh, the paper did a newspaper article on the fact that we were wreaking havoc on campus. It was a great time. It was 1984, Todd. I looked it up. Sure. Uh, that was we, fun. We, we should get back to football for at least a little mm -hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. We have an important thing. Okay. What else has been the big topics of this week for football? Well, Tony White, everybody thinks Tony White's going to move on. And uh, Matt Rule today said that he encourages Tony White, if he gets a head coaching opportunity, that he should take it. Well, you know, I was going to point out, I don't know if that makes people nervous or not, but I was going to point out when I saw that good leaders are people who – take their people under them's needs into account before their own. Yeah. And I think if you want to be a leader who attracts good people to you, that's the kind of person you are. You do, you say things like that. You say, you know, somebody should hire my defensive coordinator because he deserves a chance. I hope they don't. I think Tony White is a really good defensive coordinator. Everybody that I have asked, I, you know, I got into an argument on Twitter with a guy when he said Tony White was overrated and wasn't that good. I, I One of the things I asked him was name another defensive coordinator you'd replace him with. Because this is something that always bugs me. We always do this, and it's something that I just keep bringing up. Uh, you know, they shouldn't play that guy. Okay, who should they play in his place? You know, that guard should be taken out of the game and never play again. What other guard are you going to put in there then? Nobody has these answers, and I don't either. I – there, I hope that Tony White stays at Nebraska. Uh, you know, if they need to pay him more, so be it. They need to give him a different uh, title, so be it. You know, people have different motivations. But I think that he – I think that he's done a good job of taking guys that he hasn't recruited, being a first-year coach at a new place, and turning them into a, a pretty serviceable uh, defense. Yeah. Now, Linda does – pop in here a little bit because this is important to say is, and to clarify. Uh, but he, Rule, said the right head coaching job, not just any head coaching job. And 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there a few weeks back, you know, when people were talking about, you know, Dublin, Tony White's salary and, and doing everything we can to keep him around. I don't think I don't think Tony White's just going to jump. You know, I mentioned USC, but then when somebody mentioned that he was a UCLA guy, he won't go to USC and USC's looking at poaching somebody from the Pac-12 anyway. Um, but I would agree. I think Tony White is in a position where he can choose. He can be picky. He will, if the Nebraska offense, or excuse me, if the Nebraska defense, you know, has another couple of years where they grow and where they um, play very, very well, there will be more attractive jobs that he will be considered for. It makes no sense in my mind for a guy like Tony White just to jump to a Mac program for the sake of having a head coaching job. Not at this point in his career. He's a young coach right now as well. Well, you know what? Minnie comes in and says, Bill, well, I missed it. Where'd her comment go? Minnie comes in. Hi, Minnie. And says, Bill Bush. You know what? At least Minnie has an answer. Bill Bush is a good defensive coordinator, I think. Yeah. And he likes Nebraska. He's liked it so much he stayed around to do a radio show. I would love to see Maybe Bill that's Bush. not a bad option. Yeah. Yeah. Linda Wilkins was correct when she said rules said don't go to a school which has higher expectations than support. And I think you can look at that. When I first saw that, I thought, was he bitching about Nebraska? No, because Nebraska, he, anybody can get all the support they want as a head coach. And we do have really high expectations that can be pretty daunting and exhausting, but you do get all the support you ever wanted to be, become a winning hood, head football coach. Joel Tilson says, well, Lincoln Riley go to the NFL. Did you see Paul B- Feinbaum rip him apart? I, I didn't. I heard about it. Fill me in. What, what, uh, give me some details here. Paul Feinbaum said that uh, Lincoln Riley was a fraud. I wish I should have put the, pulled the tweet up, but he, he shredded Riley, basically said that he was a fraud and that what him bringing Caleb, Caleb Williams, a generational player back just to have this season that had been a complete piece of garbage, uh, has been terrible. Uh, I think he, I don't know if he said, it, but I saw, I think he did say, the, you know, he's been able to blame Alex Grinch for all his problems from his defensive coordinator that he fired. He's been able to blame him and commit fraud. It was pretty, uh, pretty a nasty shot. And then a lot of people from Oklahoma said, you know, people came in and they said, well, Lincoln Riley went to USC because he's afraid of Oklahoma going to the SEC and he wants no part of that. And then somebody else said, well, he'll be going to the NFL because he doesn't want any part of USC joining the Big Ten either. (laughs) But I just – will Lincoln Riley go to the NFL? Why? I I just – I I honestly – I don't have a very high opinion on Lincoln Riley, and I really never have. I just think that he's – his head is too big for his britches. Is that what that line is? There you go. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. And I need to say that different. Yeah. I think his but, head's too big for his britches. But I, I could see Lincoln Riley ending up in the NFL as a position coach, um, perhaps. You know, we've had a couple of people, and, and I, you know, we're sitting about 52 minutes, John. 
you want to talk a little bit of volleyball or we uh, and then circle back or, or what do you want to you do? You know what? Gotta... Here, I, I see where Linda said, let's talk some volleyball. Uh, Charles uh, Hewlett as well. Charles Hewlett says now that the volleyball team has the conference title, will be they be able to close out the year undefeated. Uh, the Five Heart podcast this week is going to be on Wednesday night. And it will feature Greg and Miley and Beth, and they will be talking about volleyball. Now, having said that, I I think it will be damned hard to beat Wisconsin and Wisconsin. Wisconsin has lost, I think, two of their games because Anna Schmreck was out. And that she came back, and I can't remember who they beat the shit out of in their last game they just played, but she hit 667. So she came well, back with a vengeance. I think it's going to be tough to beat Wisconsin on the road. And they also play Minnesota the next day. They don't get any time off between those two games. Nebraska's almost at the point where if they don't get, if they don't go undefeated, um, they're done. I mean, yeah. you know, they've got the two, is it two regular season games left? And then it's tournament time. Um, I think the thing that concerns me the most is if Nebraska were to lose one of those two games or if they were to lose both of those games, what's going to happen to the rankings? More importantly, what's going to happen to the seeds for the tournament? Um, you know, it, it seems to me I've never understood um, the, the powers that be behind um, the volleyball seeds. And it just blows my mind. And I could, you know, Nebraska's been at the top all season, but if they take a loss or two, how far will they drop them down? And would those nut nut cases drop them out of the top four such that they wouldn't be hosting through the tournament? I, I don't know. That's kind of got, I'm more nervous about that than I am them getting beat. Well, Linda Wilkins says Nebraska won the Big Ten and they would be a number one seed, Todd. I think Todd doesn't trust the NCAA and neither do I. No, neither should anybody else. We've been they, damaged too many times by baseball seedings. Is that right? Am I yeah. right? Yeah, that's where the fear comes from. Uh, da, 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 da. Nebraska strong go big red says Trevor Alberts needs to double Tony White's salary to 2 million and Satterfield needs to be fired. Well, Satterfield isn't going to get fired. We already heard that from Matt rule. So there, you know, you can argue that all you want, but there's, you know, you're just, it's out of our hands. It, decisions already been made. Maybe, maybe Satterfield would take a head coaching job somewhere. Huh? Huh? How about I don't, that I think it's a mistake. It would, it would be a, it's not going to happen, so I guess we really don't need to lament it. But you oh don't fire God. a guy who who had the team that he had to coach this year. Look at this. Minnie with the hot take. She says, I think the fact that Purdy played so well on Saturday proves that Satterfield can court, coach quarterbacks. What do you think of that, Todd? That's a shot. Uh, All the people that say many, we need a quarterback many, coach. Maybe, but – I would much rather see them bring in a quarterback coach. Uh, somebody asked that question earlier on if we thought that would happen. And I would like to see a quarterback coach. And Satterfield can coach tight ends. Wow. 
Brandis McGee says Purdy had the highest quarterback rating this year. At one point, his quarterback rating was 298. That's a high quarterback rating. That's a really high quarterback rating. He played well. He, yeah. he really, really played well. This so I guess then uh, Marcus Satterfield can coach quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one, Benny. Thank you. Uh, David Matney says, I know I need to let go of the ghost of Scott Frost. <laughs> Adam Carricker did a video go. <laughs> Adam Carricker did a video about how things how Nebraska can improve immediately. And one of those was to let go of the ghost of Scott Frost. And then I did that short video today about I reacted to his video and included his clip of that part. Um I see a lot of other YouTubers doing reaction videos all over the place and they, you know, they score big with them. So I thought I'd try that. I, I really need to like do reactions to Iowa people or Wisconsin people. But uh, I think the idea is, is that we need to let go of the fact that this has been going on for nine years or 10 years, and but it, it's still Matt Rule's first year and stop carrying our relationship problems forward and blaming Matt Rule. I mean, I don't think there's any problem with us being bitchy. That's That's the thing about uh, sports fans is we're bitchy and moany and complaining and God help us Nebraska fans. We do this quite well. I mean, even when we won our games, there were ugly wins. So we were bitching about that. So um, I don't just keep that in mind. David Matney says, are the coaches influenced at all by the rumblings chatter of the fans? Well, if they are, they're not they're They shouldn't be coaching. The coaches, the life of a Division One coach is so all-consuming. They they aren't reading social media. They're not reading newspaper. They're not paying attention. They are doing their job, and probably the only one that has that kind of perception, you know, that would know what the fan base is probably talking about would be Matt Rule. Um, because of the role that he's in as a CEO, and and you know he's he he brings some of those things up in his in his press conferences and stuff. But the vast majority of those coaches, they're not they're not paying they're not paying attention at all. Unless they are, and then again, like I said, they they shouldn't be doing. No, they should be if they are, attention. if they are, they're they shouldn't be in the coaching profession because they're gonna no matter what they're gonna get torn apart. You're always going to be wrong about something. John says, has Purdy not played before due to injury, or is there a concern about these coaches identifying QB talent? Well, there would be people that would say yes to the second part of that. Um, <laughs> but the way we understand it, or at least the way I understand it, I better not talk for John. I know that um, in the Colorado game, the reason that Harburg went in when Sims got hurt was because Purdy was in the, was in concussion protocol. And then he's had the groin injury. So it's probably safe to say that he has had injuries throughout the course of this, of the year. Matt rule appears to be the kind of a coach that once a decision is made about who's going to be the quarterback, they're going to ride that guy um, until until he can't go anymore. Okay. Uh, let's see here. 
Eli Aguilar says, what would John Johnston pregame speech be to the team before the game? Well, I'll tell you this. One of the things I'd say is, if we die, don't worry about them. Sons of bitches just saved you, no matter how fucked up you are. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I'd say to the team. I'd probably do. You know what I'd do, Todd? What would you do? I'd do the, uh, come on, St. Crispin's Day speech. The you what? know this speech. You know this speech from Henry, Henry V. <sighs> you know this speech. You know this. At the, before the Battle of Agincourt, you know, the British are about to take on the French. They're bit horribly outnumbered. They're face, facing incredible odds. And, and the speech written by Shakespeare starts with one of the king's cousins wishing they had more men. And, and oh, Kenneth. I'll link to this in the show notes. I'm not going to do it right now. I'll just cry. It's beautiful. I mean, it can't, have you not ever seen Henry V with Kenneth? No, Bradley I'm not a Shakespeare guy. We had that conversation a year ago. Oh, my God. I do that speech. Not one man more. Huh? Okay. No. Any yeah. Okay. No. Uh, Eli, Eli, Eli says Todd was a lineman back in the day. Nope. John was the lineman. I was I was uh, uh, I was a tight end and a linebacker and a kicker. A kicker. Nobody wanted me near a ball. Oh, <laughs> I had one more here. Oh, here it is. Joel Tesh Telshow says, Will the young players eradicate the cancerous mentality that plagues us? What do you think of that, Todd? I hope so. I, I think the so. thing is, I think the thing is, this goes back to, you know, during the pandemic, I talked to Yoshi, Jamarcus Hardrick, he plays in the CFL, former Nebraska player. Uh, I talked to him about some of that stuff. You know, why, what do you need for players on your team? And one of the things he pointed out to me was you need the older veteran players around because they're the ones that can pull the, the younger players out of their funk when it happens in the middle of the game. Like, for example, you know, during the frost years, I commonly said that a problem with the football team was if bad things happened, everybody mentally fell apart. And you have to have players that can look at the other players and say, it's going to be okay. We just have to do our jobs and we have to do what we're told and we have to keep competing. And you have to have those players. They have to exist on the field for your team. And this is probably some of the problems that we face now is, you know, this is a, a very, very young football team. And you look at the receiving core, you know, most of the older guys are been injured. Billy Camp is still there. and Maybe he is that stabilizing influence. But this, you know, leadership normally doesn't come in very young people. It comes as you get older and crestier and grayer, hopefully not as a football player. But, you know, you get the point. So will the young players eradicate the cancerous mentality that plagues us? You know what? They will if they stick around to become successful older players. I guess that's what I'd say about that. And that's key to being successful and continuing to be successful over a long run. How's that answer, Todd? I thought that was a great answer. <sighs> I'm running out of breath. What's your... Uh... What do you think is going to happen on Friday, John? Oh, my God. What do I think is going to happen? Joel Tilson says four to three, Nebraska by two safeties. 
Oh, what do I think is going to happen? Iowa opened with a safety against Illinois. <laughs> you know what? I think if Chubba Purdy can play that same game, uh, be smart with the ball, and we don't turn the ball over, we have a fighting chance. I honestly, I I think it's going to be really tough for us to beat Iowa. Just you know, it. I think it's going to be tough for us to beat Iowa just because of the difference I just described. Iowa has had the same coaching staff for fucking decades, right? Phil Parker, I don't know how long he's been there, but he's been there for a long time. And you have veteran players. Cooper DeGene being out hurts them a lot because he is not on the field, and he is an incredible player. But, you know, can Nebraska pull that together? I think that our offense can score more than them. I think our offense can take care of Deacon Hill. We're not going to have to worry about a mobile 280-pound quarterback you know, being able to scramble around and maybe we can punch some balls out. Our biggest problem, I think, against Iowa is going to be, is Brian Bashini going to have a good game? You know, if we get to the 40-yard line, can we, Brian Bashini, get, get some punts that get Iowa down to where we can, I don't know, at least manage them in a field, uh, field you know, a ball control game and maybe, maybe, I think somebody said this earlier in the comments section, Maybe this will be a Dale Klein against Missouri gay day. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. Seven yeah. field goals. Yeah. And Nebraska won. I can't remember what the final score was, but obviously with seven field goals, Nebraska had 21 points. And I can tell you after that game, there were a lot of people that said, this wasn't a real win. We didn't score any touchdowns because it's just to show you, we have always bitched about Nebraska football, no matter how good it was. So, you know, I let's go Nebraska 12, uh, Iowa 20, 10. You know, four field goals to their maybe – a touchdown, a two-pointed PAT, and a safety. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I think it's just – I think it's it's going to be tough. I just think it's going to be a tough game. Uh, we don't have a Trey Palmer. You know, that would be nice. We do have a Jaden Dawson, a Malachi Coleman, Malachi Coleman. Why do I fuck this guy's name up all the time? It's a simple name. Anyway, uh, you know what? I, 12 to 10, something like 20 to 10. I, I think Nebraska can do it, but I think it's going to be it's going to be a tall order. I guess we're going to see what kind of guts this team has when they face off against Iowa. What do you yeah. think, Todd? Yeah, I think it will be a real gut check. I and I expect I expect our team to show up. I do. I I think that they will show up. I think they're going to play hard. Um, I I would. Uh, I don't expect to see much scoring at all. Um, you know, if Nebraska could score ten points, I think they can win. Um, you know, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, okay. Moonbot has 26 to 13 Iowa. Uh, Linda Wilkins has two to one Nebraska, a one point safety and a two point safety. David Mantney is 13 to three Iowa. Uh, MK says BB. Brian Machini needs to have a personal best day punting. That's true. Phil Spears is another close, painful loss unless someone kidnaps, kidnaps Satterfield. <laughs> there, who do you want for an offensive coordinator? Think about that. But because it's a long offseason that's coming up. 
John, would it be healthy for people that are stuck on frost to try and consider just how remarkable that stint of failure was? I would love to see a video on it. You know, uh, I keep trying to go on from it. And I, there's a lot of other stuff that I would love to cover in videos rather than that. And I just, I don't know. Maybe it's too soon. <laughs> Justin Rogie, Nebraska 9, Iowa 3. Oh, yeah, I like that score. Cilantro says if Nebraska wins, Todd needs to chug an entire can of beer on the live stream in 20 seconds. Oh, piece of cake. I could never chug beer. I never did. Ted Hilker, 7-3, Nebraska. That'll be – you know what? That'll be a game that the nation wants to watch. Uh, Brangus McGee, 23-10, to 10, Nebraska over Iowa. Uh, weather at Lincoln Friday. Do you know what it is? They took the snow out of the forecast. Supposed to be windy. Okay, Nebraska Strong says nine to zero. Huskers win an embarrassed national Iowa national TV. Go Big Red. That would be beautiful. And then anonymous. I think we're going to stop there because I really am running out of breath. Anonymous says two to nothing in six overtime on an interception return. God, that'd be the game America needs to see, wouldn't it? <laughs> All right. Oh, my God, there's more. Colby Dale says 16-9, Nebraska. Jav says five turnovers for Nebraska. That guy's you know, always the me. turnover part has me a little bit worried, too. I know that they, it does. they played well, but Iowa feasts on that. Husker JPEG says 37 degrees cloudy. Uh, Husker Bob says, send Brian Ferentz out correctly, 19 to nothing Huskers. Oh, my God. Okay, you guys, I, I need to go. <clears throat> I need to I need to do a, a better practicing the breathing. Maybe I need a little red light. <laughs> okay. Have you got anything else, Todd? I, I got nothing, man. Okay, tomorrow night, 7.30 p.m., Scott Docterman covers Iowa for The Athletic. I'll be talking to him uh, for a half hour. And then uh, Wednesday night at 9, Greg will be talking to Miley and Beth about volleyball. So get your asses over to those shows. There you go. Good night, Todd. Hey, good night, John, and happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. <sighs>